Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Welcome to Face to Face. This is a show about change and what's next. It's a show that asks questions and peels back the layers of our average everyday experience and goes beyond scratching the surface. We interview people doing incredible things who are making a difference around the globe. Join me as we listen in and get one step closer to understanding that big ideas shared create collaboration. Collaboration can inspire community, and communities create social change. I'm David Peck, and this is Face to Face. So my next interview is with Sarah Taxler, and we talk about her new film that's uh, premiering at Hot Docs this year, 2022. Imagine that, actually coming back face to face sort of post-COVID at Hot Docs this year, but uh, Sarah and I chatting about her new film, How Saba Kept Singing. You're going to want to see this film for a whole lot of reasons, but this, this is a film about, uh, it's about history. It's about, it's about memory. It's about relationships. There's a comedic edge to it. It's about music as well. And uh, Sarah and I uh, had a great time and, and she's a returning guest. Uh, Believe it or not, uh, Sarah was on the show almost 300 interviews ago. Former Daily Show producer when, when, uh, uh, back in the day, I guess, when we talked about her film, Tickling Giants, also a film you're going to want to see. We talked about where entertainment and and social justice can actually meet. Uh, We talked about good listening and good storytelling and how how important it is to tell true stories. We talked about this thing called uh, this notion of beautiful coping mechanisms. How wonderful is that? And warm invitations, how stories are like warm invitations. We talked about the banality of evil. We went from comedy to serious. We, we, were, we were light, we were kind of heavy, but always, I hope, always meaningful. And uh, we chatted a little bit about how there's, you know, so much more going on than meets the eye. Healing through stories, healing through others, human connection, and how important that really is. We talked about lost opportunity and about closure and 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 we touched on how prayer and satire are very similar and i think that's a fascinating uh, uh idea for sure that i'm going to i hope going to pursue in a, a future interview but sarah was terrific and uh, her the film it's a, it's a beautiful moving uh, portrait of 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 why relationships matter and how Saba kept singing. It's at Hot Docs. Check it out. You can find uh, it online at uh, Hot Docs, the, the website. You can get tickets still, and you're going to hear uh, Sarah talk a little bit about that. Don't forget davidpecklive.com for more information about my writing, my speaking, face-to-face live.ca for 
as I said, coming up on 600 interviews, quite a library there for you to choose from. Go back and listen to some other stuff. I'd I'd certainly appreciate it. But what I'd really appreciate is a simple review on iTunes or wherever it is you listen to podcasts. And wherever you do listen to podcasts, please subscribe. Oh, yeah, right. And did I mention uh, leaving a review? That would be uh, really terrific. Thanks for listening. And, and don't touch that dial. Coming right up, Sarah Taxler talking about her beautiful and moving new film, How Saba Kept Singing. Well, welcome to Face to Face Live. We are joined by a, a very special guest here with us today. We have Sarah Taxler. Uh, I'm not even sure where she's calling in from, and it's kind of irrelevant in this Zoom digital age, but Sarah uh, is a returning guest. How crazy is that? Sarah Taxler, thanks for uh, taking the time to, uh, to join us on Face to Face today. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm calling in from the magical land of New Jersey. Perhaps oh, you've heard of it. Yes, I a fairy tale. I have yes. indeed. Heard, I'm not sure how to spell it, but I have heard of New Jersey. Oh, well, hopefully you'll get to visit one day. It's, I it's hope beautiful so too, here. yes. Magical. Is that right? Eh? Is that the first word that came you to mind? You know what? I'm from? actually um, a gigantic New Jersey defender, even though I said that in jest. My very first uh, public film attempt was I went to college in the Midwest and my friends made fun of New Jersey. So I made a home movie called Stop the Ignorance, the beauty that is New Jersey. And uh, wow. it was if I do say it was pretty persuasive. So oh that's oh that's awesome. That's pretty fun. I'll have to I'll have to look for that. I have actually driven uh through New Jersey. Is Rutgers in New Jersey? It is. Yep. Yeah, it's a yeah. state college. I've, here. I've actually spent a little bit of time there. Uh, what's that old crazy joke? I spent a whole week there one day. <laughs> it's a time flu. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Time just flew. So Sarah, uh it's been a while since you've been on the show. I'm coming up on 600 episodes. Uh, we had you on for Tickling Giants, episode 298. I can't believe it's almost been five years since I've seen you. Um, yeah, it's been a while. What have you been doing? I'm, 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 I'm kind of interested, you know? <laughs> wink, yeah, wink. so the last time I saw you, I was still uh, at The Daily Show, I believe. I was a producer at The Daily Show. And since then, I said if I was going to keep making movies, I had to do it full time because it's, um, you know, I think as I said to you, it's too expensive to be a hobby and sure. it's like a crazy amount of work. So um, yeah, I worked for a while on another late night show called The Opposition. And then I decided that I should take a risk and give a shot at being a documentarian full time. And the last few years, that's that's what's been going on. That's what's been going on. And you've been working on a very personal and intimate project, uh, How Saba Kept Singing. singing. Um, and obviously, we're going to talk about that. Was it hard to leave? I'm assuming it was a full-time gig at The Daily Show. It must have yes. been a pretty cool gig, too. Or was it just like, does it look better than, or sound better than it actually really was? Uh, you know, it's it's pretty cool. I called it my, uh, my party trick. If people know where you work, when you work at The Daily Show, it's like all you get to talk about. Um, so it's right. kind of... Good and also a double-edged sword, but um, you yeah, know, I Sarah, I don't, there. I really don't care about you and what you do, but can you tell me more about Trevor Noah and Jordan Klepper? I, right, I that is that is how a lot of uh, <laughs> yeah. I told I told my husband when I met him, and the best thing he did was when he heard where I worked, he said. I don't want to like you for the wrong reason. So let's not talk about that. And I was like, yeah, let's not talk about that. that um, that's awesome. But uh, yeah, no, I learned a ton there and I um, made two films while I was there. So right. it was it was a, a double full-time job kind of filmmaking right. night to weekends and then TV A lot of juggling going on. 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah, well, as you probably, well, you probably don't remember the interview, but I love Tickling Giants. And I hope our listeners not only get to see How Saba Kept Singing, which is premiering at Hot Docs, by the way, we're going to talk about that. But definitely, please, folks, go back and, and find Tickling Giants. It's, it's fun, it's funny, and it packs a, a, a global punch. So thank you. Uh, yeah, I think um, in a weird way, I think there's overlap. Like I, I, I try so to, too. Uh, yeah, so I, I like to try and this is the, you know, kind of the daily show in me, but really just in general loving comedy. Like I try to find my way into hard stories where there's humor to be found yeah, sure, and, sure, and sort of like entertainment sure. and social justice meet. And that's also true nice. in how Saba kept singing. Love that where entertainment and social justice meet. That's great. Sounds like something. Marshall McLuhan wouldn't have said that's I try I have a Mad Libs that are all things Marshall McLuhan wouldn't say so that's excellent I, perfect so we're off yeah. we're off to a good start oh I really I really like that so so without giving too much away about the film maybe you should at least tell us where it's going to be for for listeners over the next little while and where it might be in the future as well and by the way congratulations it's thank a, you it's a beautiful and intimate uh, portrait of the power of one can I, can I, I mean, that sounds a little trite and a little corny, I suppose, on some levels, but it really is, it's deeply moving and, and powerful you. on a, a whole lot of levels. Yeah, I'm, I'm really glad you liked it. It's so I can, I can tell you a little about it. So it's a, uh, the story of this guy called Saba and how, um, the Sabinator, he, uh, the Sabinator, as his grandson calls him, he, uh, he survived the Holocaust and always has thought that the reason he survived is because he has this beautiful singing voice and sang for his Nazi captors and then um, didn't talk too much about the Holocaust. But when his grandson starts asking questions, uh, Saba and his family realize there might be more to the story and a mystery kind of unfolds about who or what might have been involved in actually saving his life. And they go off to on a journey to, to try to figure that out. And it's premiering at Hot Docs. The first screening is Sunday, May 1st. And actually there's going to be a live concert after the screening uh, from, from one of the stars of the film. And there's two wow. other screenings, May 6th and May 8th, all at the Lightbox in Toronto, the TIFF Lightbox. And uh, after this, I'm not sure what's next. We've got some other festivals on the horizon and hopefully we'll have distribution and people will be able to watch the movie wherever they are. So you're going to be in Toronto for the showing? I actually, unfortunately, I have a little baby who's not yet vaccinated, and um, so I'm not traveling right now. I'm not doing airplanes, right. so unfortunately, so I won't be there. a new mother. I mean, come on, Sarah. Priorities? I know, I know. I don't That's know. True. I've got some messed up. I mean, come on, mother but, or um, filmmaker? I mean, I told my baby he could he could drive me, but he wasn't up to <laughs> me in a car. Well, congratulations um, there too. That's that's a beautiful thing. You. That is really a beautiful thing. So, so are you? So are you? Hmm. And I absolutely let's talk about the film, but comedian, journalist, storyteller, producer, director. I mean, what's on your business card? Uh, would you say if you um, on my business one? card, it says can talk backwards and twist balloon animals and has a mean fake sneeze. <laughs> and I feel like that tells you all you really need to know. That's all so, you need, uh, balloon animals. Yeah. I can make a dog and a snake. Oh, that's good. One, we say at my first film was actually about balloon twisting conventions. And our tagline was once you can make a balloon dog, you can do anything. Right. There's like so a, a metaphorical there's a, there's a core, there's a foundation. Exactly. Once yeah. you learn the basics, you can and a deep fly. philosophical metaphor there, I'm sure. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. You yeah. change your life. 
So are you, uh, so seriously though, are you, are you all of those things or is it, would you say, and this is sorry for the polarization, but are you a storyteller that, that kind of wants to change the world? Is that a fair Ooh. assessment? That's a biggie. Um, I, know. I mean, wants to, I think that's an understatement. I, uh, no, just kidding. I, um, I, yeah, I like to tell stories. So my mom is a storyteller and she, I mean, she's a special ed teacher, but she's always been a part of this garden state storytellers league where since I was a little kid, she would go and do stories and kind of grew up around that. My grandma Millie um, was very much a storyteller and would tell us like everything about growing up as a kid in the Bronx and funny things. And just, I was always really enchanted with those stories. And, um, I think I'm a decent listener and I really like when people share. Um, my grandma always actually encouraged me to be a psychologist, but um, I went in a different direction, but I did like hearing people's stories and, and having people kind of open up and share with me. And um, I really like funny things. Like that's my way of kind of communicating with the world. But um, so for me, I try to find ways to to use humor to tell stories and to tell sometimes hard stories um but yeah i guess maybe a mix i i guess i wouldn't say journalist i don't know that i think that feels maybe more um serious than i see right. myself like i right, i like right. to joke around and um maybe maybe some journalists do i don't know <laughs> but i you know i think you can tell the truth and be an entertainer and tell true stories. And um, that's what I try to do. Is that a, uh, is that a daily show influence to some degree? I mean, isn't it fascinating uh, how, how a comic can just kind of level the room with laughter and hopefully for me at least, and isn't this a great film or a great quote or, or a great piece of poetry or a great conversation even it comes back to you and kind of haunts you in a good way later. Is yeah, it, I think yeah. so. I think it's like a mutual um, attraction, right? So the people yeah. who work at The Daily Show are people who like to think about hard things, but process the world with jokes. So like my favorite thing, you know, I left The Daily Show a while ago, but my favorite thing there was when there'd be something unthinkable in the morning and you couldn't imagine when you woke up, like, how is this going to be funny? And then you go into a room and sit with other people who also like to joke around. And then you find kind of like the core emotion sure. and then make a bunch of jokes. And suddenly you have a point of view that you can share in a piece. And like, you know, in the case of how Saba kept singing, I mean, this story takes place with the backdrop of the Holocaust, which is of course, inherently not funny at all in no. any way yep. whatsoever, but people who are there are real people. And so like, you know, there's, in any situation in the world, there's someone who sees something and it just sparkles differently in their eyes and, and there's something funny about it, you know? And um, so for David, that's music. And then when he's with his family, you definitely, you know, the movie opens with him joking around with his grandson. And that's just how he, Saba looks at the world. And um, so that, that attracts me. I think I'm just attracted to stories where people are dealing with something hard through, laughter or music or, or some beautiful coping mechanism. 
Yeah, that's great. Beautiful coping mechanisms. There's a title for a self-help book. Uh, <laughs> that's true. Yeah, I love the way in the press kit, and uh, and I want to ask you what your favorite song is. But I love how in the press kit, uh, you know, the folks, the people who have worked in the film on the film, you you've let us know what their favorite song is. And well, is yeah, that, I mean, it's relatable, it's right? So like we I, all. I, I've never seen that. Kind of, I've seen some pretty detailed press kits over the years, 40, 40 pages long even. Oh, wow. But I've never seen a favorite song is this. Oh, well, um, I'm, yeah, I'm glad you liked it. We, um, so yeah, I said my favorite song. I mean, of course, like everyone, I've got a bunch, but um, I think top of the top is Midnight Train to Georgia by Gladys Knight and the Pips, just kind of soothing, kind of fun. Like it can be, a dance party or a tear shedder, depending on what mood you're in. Sure. Uh, yeah. So I, I love that one. I love Night Swimming by REM. I love the Paul Simon Graceland album. There's there's nice. a lot. And I always think for me, like comedy is how I interact with other people. But music is how I internally process my own thoughts. Like I like to play guitar. I like to play harmonica. I like to write songs sometimes. Um, so yeah, I think, I don't know, music is just something that's always been important in my life. My dad's a big music fan. He has a website for Johnny Mercer, a composer. Um, so yeah, I've just always loved music. And in this film, the whole movie is about how music can literally just keep you going in darkness, you know? And and so like I, in the press kit, we we're like, oh, it's kind of cool. A, I liked it because I learned a bunch of new songs <laughs> from other people on the crew. And then also, um, you know, we're living in a crazy time and, mm. and music, I think, is also now a lot of uh, a place people can turn to keep going. Um, and, and so I just thought it was like a fun, interesting thing to, to learn about our crew. Well, I think it's great. And I think, you know, with the even when and I and, and tell me, you know, you can you can have a metaphorical or a real buzzer here if I start to give away too much about the film, but okay. establishing shots, uh, you're striking me as kind of a lover of life as well. And, and you, you set the tone, it seems to me, of where we're heading in this film in a really significant, meaningful, human way, hmm. if that makes sense. I uh, think so, yeah. So I, um, I guess, you know, I could say that the first scene is um, David, a.k.a. Saba, and his grandson, Avi, having this nice fun the sabinator uh <laughs> having like, a nice that's fun just so here. funny to me by the way <laughs> yeah they had a sabala babala they have a yeah, lot of all these nicknames David. right yeah it's great awesome but, <laughs> um and and they're kind of joking around and like i like a, a warm invitation as you're coming into a nice. story especially nice. a story where an audience might think uh this isn't for me i don't this is too heavy i'm not in the mood so we want to get to know right away like this is going to be a warm story and um, it's okay to laugh. Of course, there's horrendous things happening that are not funny at some points, but like this family deals with it by being warm and playful with each other. And you as an audience member can do that too. And um, yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a very nice comment that I'm a lover of life. I, I'd like to think so. I mean, you know, like everyone, I have my hard days, but I think you try to look for, the good. And I, I definitely think it's a muscle. And I think mm. like David is a great example of that. Like if anyone had an excuse to be just jaded to the world, it could be David, but that's not who he is. You know, he, he starts in the film and he's telling us right away that he's this lover of life. And like, 
I think that takes practice and is a choice and like not an easy one, you know? And um, so. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. For me, it, it sounds weird because it's about the Holocaust, but I actually found this a really uplifting movie to work on and like a really great, almost like how to of, uh, we were editing it during the pandemic and like you know, there was a lot to be overwhelmed by. And you look at this story and you're like, oh, there's uh, millions of people died in the Holocaust, but everyone, while they were in those camps, they were alive. They were real people. Mm-hmm. And Avi actually had this like line that I loved that was one of those really hard to lose, but it just didn't fit right in the film moments where he told us about the first time he went to Auschwitz and you get there and he said it was it was just another place. And like you have this, you picture it like a black and white movie and you get there and there's grass growing and there's birds chirping and the sky is blue and it's a place. And then I'd never been to Auschwitz prior to filming this. And we got there and I was like, I get what he means. Like, Mm. you know, it's like you realize, oh, you're in there. And if if you were a prisoner in this camp, you felt the breeze blow on your skin. You know, it's they're real human beings. And yeah. um, I think it's helpful and like healthy to remember that and not, they're not statistics. They're well, it's people. the, it's kind of a Hannah Arendt's the banality of evil in a sense. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, uh, Elaine Renee's film night and fog, uh, that 30, 28 minute documentary black and white. I remember the juxtaposition of, Hey, there were architects who were designing some of these camps, you know, just that idea that they were living their lives 
And, yep. and I don't know if we can talk about, I think I read in an interview with you, you had one moment that really stood out for you about yeah. how there were people living alongside of what was going on at the time and this realization that they probably knew. And yet, yeah. you know, I think David says at one point, the whole, we know now the whole world stood back and watched. And, yeah. And, so and look what's the, going on today and the parallels, et cetera, et cetera. It's just, it really is kind of mind boggling, isn't it? It is. Yeah. And in lots of ways, like, of course, now um, everything going on in Ukraine, I mean, there's many places in the world, but specifically in Europe right now, um, our sound person um, in Poland still lives in Poland and he and his family just brought in a few refugees to live with them coming from Ukraine. And um, the moment that you were referring to is, of course, when you're watching a movie, you know, you watch each scene a million times and um, it can be hard to watch with fresh eyes sometimes because you're like, you know, what's there. You need someone else to see it for the first time to sure. let you know what's missing, sure. or what makes sense. So we were doing a rough cut screening um, to get some feedback about what did and did not make sense. And there was a scene that I'd seen many times already where uh, Saba and Avi, are, his grandson, are driving towards the camp. And like right outside the gate, there's a whole neighborhood with houses. And the grandson says, do you think they knew what was going on? And David said, of course they knew. Everybody knew. And the first many times I watched that scene, I was like, how could you know and do nothing? Like it's, mm. it's unfathomable to you hope you'd be better than that. And then um, I was watching the movie after, you know, during one of these screenings and it was like, right as the protests were starting with the Black Lives Matter movement. And I realized like, I've always known that these horrible things were happening in my own country. And I was looking away and wasn't choosing to address or try, you know, we have this anti-racist movement now and like, I want to think I'm helping and doing the right thing, but was I doing that? And this moment kind of maybe stop and reassess my own role in that. And um, so I feel like sometimes learning these stories, if if we're open, can help us realize places we should be working harder and and making sure never again is a real thing in in lots of ways, not just literally the Holocaust and Jews, but in do, other communities. Do, do you go into stories like this? Do you go into films like this thinking that? there is going to be a call to action of some kind. I mean, maybe that's a little bit of the advocate in me coming out or the activist or the public engagement guy saying, hey, how can we get people to sign up for this or donate to that, right? Um, but there's, so I there's don't definitely something with in that. there. I, would, I think it's something that develops over time. So my first goal is to tell the story and to tell it in a way where there's a beginning, middle and end and it's a narrative journey and it's doing justice to the story and, and entertaining people. That's my number one. Um, but the reason I'm attracted to the story is because I think it's an important story to tell any story that I'm gonna devote years of my life on. It's because I think it's an important story and a story that excites me and that I'm gonna wanna talk about for years on end. So the truth is I'm only, at least so far, historically, I'm only attracted to stuff where I think there's like, a reason to keep talking about it. Entertainment mm -hmm. is a huge reason in itself, as far as I'm concerned. Like I think entertainment has true value, especially in crazy times. But in addition to that, I, I hope that there's, there's a next step. So like in this movie, I really hope that 
the message will get out that like, even if this might not be the kind of movie you'd usually go for, you can be entertained and watch. And and the goal isn't just to learn something, but you're also going to maybe learn something about yourself or about this period of time in history. Um, so that's when for me that social engagement, and then it becomes something I'm really excited about. So like with tickling giants, we wanted to, people to think about how they can tickle giants. So find like nonviolent ways to um, draw attention mm-hmm. when there's an injustice. And in this film, uh, I think, you know, we're still kind of learning how, this is our world premiere. So we're just starting to learn how audiences will world respond. World premiere Hot Docs. But, yeah, at Hot Docs. But I, um, I'm hoping that, you know, similarly that people think about um, what keeps them going. Like, I think we're in a, you know, when I met you five years ago, as crazy as the world was, my immediate world felt a lot more stable than it does right now. Mm. And um, I think that's true for a lot of people, at least in my community, where it's been a hard few years. And um, so I, I guess I hope people watching a think about like where where can they see beauty in the world if they want to and then how can they bring some beauty to the world if they want to and and sort of both of those things are the initial I guess points I want people to think about but you know as simple as that's why I'm asking the question like what's your favorite song like it's really easy to get overwhelmed right now mm-hmm. and the you know I keep saying with this movie but like the stuff that mattered for David and his relationships in the camp, all the things that your parents don't want you to focus on when you're in school, like relationships and music and art and things that are like side things, but not the primary. Those are the only things that matter. And like, I think the last few years- You mean calculus doesn't matter, Sarah? Is that what you're trying to say? (laughs) It matters, but maybe (laughs) the only things that like really are like at their core are gonna save you, you know? I remember- I remember finding out, I love the wisdom in all of that, by the way, and I might, I got thumbs up all over the place and I only have <laughs> two of them. Um, but I remember finding out that the, one of the teachers that my son was in kindergarten was learning mathematics. And I remember saying to my wife, Elizabeth, who is a primary school teacher, okay, so really, we got math already? How about just hanging out? How about just playing and building like a block house or something? Like that might, wouldn't there yeah. be more, you know? The social skills are the things. Yeah. And I think it all relates. I mean, of course, yes. you've got to learn stuff, of you know, course. and you have to be able to contribute and be in the world. But um, the things that matter the most are, you know, the people and oh, the, the, the art, the music, the relation. What did you say? The yeah. the music, the relationship, the the, the, the art were three yeah. of the things you I mean, that's just and that, that's sort of how they're surviving in these camps. Right. Those are the, the three things that in the stories we're telling. Sarah, Sarah talk, can you talk to me a little bit? Biggie here, a bit about hope and maybe finding hope through others. Because, you know, I'm coming up on 600 interviews. Nice little plug here for face to face. Check out, check it out, folks. We've got lots of interviews. <laughs> and if you go back to episode 298, you'll hear right. Sarah start at the very beginning, episode 298. That's yeah. right. Sarah, Sarah's <laughs> film, Tickling Giants. Um, yeah, I think what, what, what I've learned coming out of this is that there is power through human connection through conversation there's healing there there's what did you call it a beautiful coping mechanism right? yeah yeah i think so, it's yeah. um talk talk to me a little bit about that and if you can tell us a bit more about the film without you know letting all the cards fall out of your sleeves but yeah so so in this kind of 
mystery that we're following in the film, David has a sense that something in himself is how he got through. And that's true, but it's becoming more and more clear, more and more clear that there's more to the story than that. Mm. And um, can anyone really do it alone? You know, and um, and we we actually like my editor, Jackie, and I would call David the Jewish Forrest Gump because he's in all these crazy situations throughout the course of the movie that that seem almost unbelievable, except they're true. And somehow he keeps going in the like the weirdest, craziest, sometimes most horrific situations. And um, I think, you know, some of that is luck. There are obviously many people who who didn't make it through that time period. And some of that is maybe a, a candle in himself and, and this element of, of hope, as you say. And I think it just takes practice. I mean, like we all, we all have dark moments and um, David lived through like the worst things anyone could ever experience. Um, but each day was a new day for him. And I think he was someone who chose to keep going, you know, to keep singing for him, it was singing, but, you know, for anyone it's, I, there's things I, I hope I never experience. Mm -hmm. And I, I mean, so when I was making tickling giants, um, the reason I started to make that film was actually because my best friend had passed away and it was unexpected and she was young and I was really depressed. And for the next year, it was hard to get excited about anything. And then when I learned about that story, it was the first day in almost a year that I was excited about something. And I, I decided I was going to make another film. And I never thought I was going to make another film because I, I knew how much work it was. David, you and I were talking about this before, but mm -hmm. I, I learned how much work it was. And I was like, I don't know. And then, but I was like, I got to go towards that. This thing is giving me hope. I got to go towards that. And I think how Saba kept singing is, is about finding the thing that makes you feel alive and going towards it. Uh, I, oh man, there's so many places I want to go with this and we're going to have to wrap up in a couple of minutes, but I love that you had mentioned earlier, it's a muscle being able mm -hmm. to, to, it's, it's, it's the classic sort of, how are you going to get out of bed in the morning? It's, it's, mm -hmm. it's freedom, it's choice, it's responsibility. It seems to me, you know, and, and how, how can we get there through others and through community? And I think we can only get there uh, through others. And for some that might be really hard to hear if they're living a life alone currently. Mm -hmm. And, and, and I think it's a, a challenge for people like us to say, and this is why I love those subtle nuance call to actions to me as another fellow human being to say, you know what, maybe today's the day I need to pick up the phone and call that person I haven't heard from in three years, you know, yeah. drop the pebble in the pond and trust the ripple, you know, is that too much yeah. to ask? No, I think, you know, it, it doesn't, I mean, relationships can mean all sorts of things, you yeah. know, it doesn't, it, um, and, and I, just cause it's my experience doesn't mean it's someone else's, someone else might really be okay being more, you yeah. know, isolated in that Fair. kind of way. But I, um, I will say in the last couple of months, actually really since the pandemic started, but I did this at the beginning, but stopped for a while and I'm doing it again lately is like, I'm trying to be better about when I think of someone, even if it's someone I haven't talked to in a long time, where I might feel embarrassed to start a call. Cause then it's like, Oh, we haven't talked in forever. And it could be awkward. I've tried to be better about calling them. And I actually have um, 
a relative in her nineties who I hadn't spoken to in a long time. And she and my grandma used to speak every weekend. And so I always knew how she was doing, but my grandma passed away two years ago and I hadn't spoken to her to, to this cousin. And I called her, we've talked twice in the last month or so. And it was amazing. You know, and so yeah, like, so cool. I, I think it can feel a little scary to, to make connections. Oh, again, oh but... yeah. Cause the implication is so sorry. I haven't thought about you for 11 years, but, exactly. but, I, but I did today. <laughs> Today's right? a day. Congrats. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no, I no, love it can that. Be, I it can be awkward. The same. You know? He just, he trusts the cosmos in that way. He trusts that spiritual side, that intuition, you know, uh, whatever you want to call it. And, and he will, he, he'll do the same. He'll pick up the phone yeah. and, and call. Is this a, this is a big, big question. Is this a film for you about lost opportunity? Is this a story about lost opportunity in some way? Um, I, I I'm thinking about it because I've never really thought of it in that way. Um, I I think it's a film about closure for mm-hmm. me, um, mm-hmm. and and the fact that we may never get closure, right? Um, and that's okay. But if you can try to get some, it's worth pursuing. Um, you know, maybe it's sort of the same as that phone call idea of like, I could not call them because I feel uncomfortable or I could just give it a shot and see what happens. Um, So I think it's, it's kind of that idea that there's some stories we'll never know the answers to, and we kind of have to write the ending in our head, but sometimes if we're open to it, we can find out more about ourselves if we are willing to look. Yeah. 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 I think, yeah, I love, I love that notion of, and I'm, this is hard for me that we're looking for closure. We might not find it. Mm-hmm. There, there is mystery. There is maybe magic there, like New Jersey, you know? Right, exactly. Uh, yeah. Hey, I read somewhere, I think it doesn't come out in the film, and I'd love to hear just as we wrap up. And I only have 32 more questions for you. Okay, perfect. So that uh, just another yeah. minute or so. Yeah, that's yeah. right. That's right. Yeah. Um, I think in another interview, you talk about um, getting to know, I believe it's David's son, Eric. Mm-hmm. Yes. Who's a rabbi. Yep. And you say somewhere that you think prayer is a lot like satire. Yes. I have never heard that before. And I think that's wonderful on the, on the surface and I can't wait to reflect more on it, but can you unpack that a little bit for me? Sure. So Eric, David's son is, um, was my family's rabbi my whole life. He retired a few years ago, but, um, he had something that he would say a lot, which is, um, prayer doesn't change things. Prayer changes people, people change things. And that always stuck with me of this idea that like mindfulness and where you want to put your energy and that's how things change. Like having an idea is, is meaningful, but it's only going to change stuff in your own head. Like putting it into action is how, how things actually change. And um, I think of comedy in that way. So like, you know, for example, you were asking about the daily show and, um, at the Daily Show, we talked about a lot of really important things. And sometimes people would post the stories and that's awesome. Like the story resonated with them and um, it was meaningful to them and it made them feel less alone and that has value. And, but um, whatever that issue is, me posting something isn't gonna change anything. Mm. Like it's gonna actually take some action on my part. So like my hope with comedy is like, if you tell a joke about a hard thing, and it makes someone willing to like open the door and pay attention to that thing. And then you'll hear a million jokes about a million important things and, and you might like them all, but there might be one or two that actually resonate with you. Mm. And so like the place where something will change is if, if you actually like take that information and then 
choose to learn more or be involved in a cause or be more vocal in um, some more actionable way. That's how stuff changes. So for me, like my rabbis, I deal with prayer, like in my own reflection on it, that became how I wanted to be with comedy. And like you were asking earlier about storytelling, like that's the stuff I want to tell stories about. I want to make funny ways into hard things so that people are like, oh, I don't want to look at that thing, but I'm intrigued. Let me, let me learn more, you know, or, or pay attention. That's good. Yeah. Let me peel back another layer. Well, if I can paraphrase Avi, uh, I love how you're, um, and help me out here, but you're honoring the past and you're telling a story for the future. I think for Avi, it's about singing for the future, but it's uh, congratulations again uh, on the film and, and, and thank you for, for, for stepping in and, and wanting to tell this story. And this is what this, I think, I think, uh, can I quote you on this? You play the long ball. Is that uh, a long that, game? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. The long game. This is one that's <laughs> been percolating for a while for you. So I'm so glad you saw it through to completion. Uh, tell us again, hot docs, couple screenings coming up. Yes. Yeah. Hot Docs. We have um, our premiere is Sunday, May 1st at 2.30. And um, I believe there's still some tickets left. And we're hoping that one especially sells out because Avi's going to be performing at that, uh, that one. And then we also have a screening Friday, May 6th and Sunday, May 8th. And then hopefully sometime soon we'll have distribution news and people will be able to watch how Saba kept singing all over. That's amazing. Well, what a, what a pleasure uh, seeing you again, 300 episodes later. I mean, that's right. I'll see you. I'll see you for episode 900. Episode 900. Yes. Maybe by then they'll have a cure for, for, for hair loss. What do you think? That's my next film. Actually, I'm investigating that very important issue. Yeah. Through humor, obviously. We've been talking with Sarah Taxel here today on face to face live. What a pleasure about her new film, how Sabah kept singing. Thanks, Sarah. Really appreciate your time. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed this. Thank you. So there you have it, Sarah Taxler on Face to Face talking about her new film, How Sabah Kept Singing, at Hot Docs, coming hopefully soon to either a festival or to a, a theater or maybe a digital theater near you. Stay tuned for more information. You'll be able to find that on face to face live.ca. But what a pleasure chatting with Sarah about this film and about how stories that matter, talking about comedy and about this idea where entertainment and social justice meets. And, and it's, uh, yeah, it's a, a beautiful reflection on why we need to step in and, and sometimes just roll up our sleeves and, 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 and reconnect. I think that's uh, one of the takeaways for me. Don't forget davidpecklive.com for more information about what I do and face-to-facelive.ca, all now under the same umbrella. You can find uh, many, many different interviews there with filmmakers and, and, and people making a difference uh, around the globe. Please leave us a review and subscribe to wherever you listen to podcasts, whether that's iTunes or Spotify. Please leave us a review. Take you a couple minutes. We'd really appreciate that. And um, we'll see you again real soon. Thanks for joining me here today on Face to Face Live. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com.